God, you're good. You're really good. Maybe our whirlwind of circumstances may not feel like that you're good, but you're good. Our fear, our anxiety, our life, the fallout, that doesn't change who you are. So Lord, I I just want to come before you and bring this conversation and these people in this community right at your feet. And I ask that through this time and through this conversation that all of us, all of us begin to step forward and step into who you have created us to be. Lord, we love you and we thank you I ask that you anoint and just fill Carrie and myself with your spirit and that you bring divine insight into this day. It is in your name, Jesus, we ask. Amen. Well, we, we have been on a journey um, the last four weeks. This is, this is the tail end. And uh, we have, this conversation has been so important. Um, and hopefully... The conversation about uh, mental health and our wholeness and our well-being has actually moved you to begin to have these conversations with people closest to you or even to reach out and have conversation with other people. God desires for you and I to be whole and holy, to be complete. It's one of the reasons Jesus Christ came. And so this has been so important. This has been impactful in my life. I've been unpacking a lot of things in my world over the course of the last month as well. And so um, I would like to invite our friend and our honorary staff member. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Carrie to uh, back up for us. And... uh, before we begin, um, well, welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, um, man, I just I've heard a lot of a lot of people talk about about this series, and and uh, I just thank you very very much for being a part of this. Thanks for letting me. <laughs> I mean, you're you're part of the body of Christ for me, and thank you so much. It's been such an honor to get to be with you all. Yeah, really. yeah. Thank you. So uh, today. Um, if you have your Bibles, uh, or if you don't, there's pew Bibles back there, or you can pull out your phone. Um, we're going to anchor ourselves today in a very particular story. And so I'd like for you to open up to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, I'll give you a moment. And uh, before we get into the context, or before we get into this, this story particularly, I, I need to give you some context here. So 40 years before this moment, the Israelites were delivered. Moses was called by God. He was shepherding. He was out hanging out with sheep. God moved on his heart, called him to 
deliver his people because God heard his people's cry. And so Moses delivered by the power of God, delivered the Israelite people. And they began this journey to come home to what we understand to be the promised land. This was promised many centuries before to Abraham, their ancestor. And they came to the edge of the land. This would be Numbers chapter 14 if you ever want to reference this. They came to the edge of the land. Moses sent out 12 spies. Joshua being one of those spies, as well as his cohort, Caleb. They all inspected the land. They saw the land from north to south, and they even brought fruit back from the land, saying it was a land of milk and honey. However, word spread that the people living in the land were giant. And that the Israelites were like grasshoppers. Giants like Ty. Yeah. Uh, giants. And the Israelites were like grasshoppers. So word spread through the camp. A negative word spread through the camp. Yet Joshua and Caleb said, we can go and take this land that has been promised to us. All we need to do is step into it. Yet, the people backed off. They did not step into it. And so, they wandered the land for 40 years. Now all of that generation has passed except Joshua and Caleb. And here we are 40 years later in Joshua chapter 1. And 40 years later, Moses passed away. And this is where we read Joshua chapter 1. And it's a quick chapter, so we are going to read it in its entirety. But it roots everything that we're going to talk about today. So if you would, please follow along. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. It doesn't say that no one's going to stand up against you, but they won't be able to stand against you. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And this is where we need to land today. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people into inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Notice the very. He added that for emphasis. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. 
So Joshua ordered the officers of the, pe- of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. And I'd like to fast forward to verse 16. Then they, the Israelite people, then they answered Joshua, Whatever you commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, it's a little tongue-in-cheek there, uh, fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey your words, whatever you command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Did you notice the repetition? Be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Be strong and courageous. Not only was God telling Joshua this, the people that Joshua was leading was telling him this. And quite frankly, even before Moses had passed away, Moses said to Joshua, Be strong and courageous. In Joshua's grief, in the Israelite people's grief, they had to step into something. And the Lord hit the nail on the head with, Be strong and very courageous. And so this is where we pick up our conversation. Last week we talked about grief and loss and just the weight and the the burden that that brings upon us and sometimes it freezes us sometimes we go into being stuck and so Carrie um, I'd like to talk about courage and resiliency so can we first clarify what courage is not because I think a lot of us feel that we know what courage is but we don't have a real handle on that so would you mind giving us some insight with that absolutely one of the things that is so critical that we understand about the word courage is that it is not an emotion and a lot of us are waiting until we feel courageous enough to do something have you ever done that you know there's something you gotta do and you're kind of like waiting for the feeling to kick in like i got this right and so you're waiting and waiting waiting and it doesn't ever happen And then you wonder why it never gets done. Because courage is not a feeling. Neither is resilience. Resilience isn't like, oh, all of a sudden I want to be resilient. Here I go. You know, it's not a feeling. Courage and resiliency, those are action words. And you see that in Scripture. Anytime the word bravery or courage is talked about, it's it's with a verb. It says, be courageous. Take courage. And in the New Testament, it says, when they saw the courage of the disciples, you, you can't see emotion. You can see action right? And so it is very, very critical that we understand that if you are waiting to feel courageous enough or to feel resilient to get back up again when you have been hurt or beat down or struggling, that feeling isn't necessarily going to kick in. It's an action step that we take in a direction, and it's it's something we step into fear regardless of fear, and we take a step. So my son, can I tell about my son? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So I had to speak on this concept of being brave um, at, 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 for a group of women. And I just thought, you know, I, I thought I'd go to the, like, superhero experts in my world, which are my boys. 
And I said, hey guys, um, and this was quite a few years ago. My youngest son was probably in preschool at the time, kindergarten. And I said, hey guys, um, uh, what, it, what does it mean to be brave? Like, what do you guys think? And my youngest son, he spoke right up, and I promise you, he does not read the dictionary, okay? He said, well, mom, it means when you're afraid, you do it anyway. And I was like, Keaton, that is brilliant. <laughs> and he's, he further made sure I understood, and he said, it's like this, mom. When you're <laughs> in the woods, if you see a bear, you shoot it. <laughs> Duh, right? I love that definition, though, but he is Unless so right. Unless it's against the law, right? Oh, right, right. <laughs> but he didn't know that then. But actually, if you do look up the word courage in the dictionary, it's, I mean, he quoted it. That is the definition of courage is when it's, it's acting even when you feel afraid. So I, I heard a quote, and it's just been resonating in my mind since I've heard it, is courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is actually the absence of self. So do we have this backwards that we are waiting to, for the absence of fear to be courageous? And can you kind of dive into the fact that it really isn't the absence of fear? Absolutely. Let me ask you something. So this is going to go back to a little bit when we were talking about anxiety and depression, okay? So when you have something that you're anxious about, and you know how you avoid it because you're anxious, right? I just want to avoid it. So you will make up every reason not to do it, right? Every reason in the world to procrastinate, to not face that difficult thing, right? And sometimes we avoid it so long that, I mean, we just keep pushing up, pushing off, and guess what happens? Every time you avoid it, your brain, um, it reinforces the anxiety about that. Does that make sense? So it actually gets stronger, your, your avoidance of it, your fear of it. So that's a really important piece of courage because courage is what God is saying. Don't allow anxiety to get bigger than it needs to be, right? It's going to be there. You're a human being. Remember, we're not robots. We are going to feel anxious. We are going to feel nervous about some things in life, right? We might even be downright afraid of some things. His word never says that won't be there sometimes, but he said don't let it grow. Instead, act on courage. Move forward. Get up anyway, right? That is so critical to your neural processing in your brain because every time you avoid it, every time you don't move in courage, all that fear stuff just gets reinforced in us. And that's why I think God's word over and over says this. So we kind of have a, an internal muscle. Um, and so, for instance, I'll, I'll kind of dive into this real quick. So when I was a kid, I always wanted to play drums. Um, just, you know, wanted to play drums and learn all those things, but I didn't want to do the hard work. So I finally got the snare drum from my brother in fifth grade, and I hauled it to, to, to school to come to find out there was no class that day. So I had to haul it back, and then I went to school the next week with it, and then we had practice, and I had class. And then they told me it's going to take a half hour of practice every day. I quit within the first week. And basically what I did... I exercised an internal muscle on the inside of me that it became a whole lot easier to quit. We're, we are always looking for the path of least resistance in our life. 
And so essentially what I have done is I, I have basically made this muscle memory that whatever comes my way, I'm going to avoid it, I'm going to quit. But courage and resiliency, it's a different, if, it, if we don't step into things, we are eventually setting us, ourselves up for the future, for that muscle to not be working and not be ready to step into things. So can you kind of explain a little bit about the power of response? Because resiliency really has a lot to do with response. So can you kind of talk a little yeah. bit about that? Absolutely. So the way we respond to things actually changes the whole makeup of your brain, right? So if you respond to something by pulling back, by avoiding, then your brain creates this neuron that associates with this is fearful or it's difficult, so I'm just going to quit so I don't fail, right? So those neurons form an association there. So then when it presents itself again, your brain is like, ooh, let's just, mm, let's not fail this. Let's just quit this. This is hard. Let's just get out of this, right? And so it c begins to be a cycle of this in your life. That is not at all biblically how God has called us to live, right? To just, if something's hard, get out of it. And unfortunately, we, as even in, in the faith community, we, we have this false idea that if I follow God, my life is going to avoid hard stuff. And there is no evidence for that in Scripture whatsoever. Um, but you see the response when we respond, uh, even if our feelings don't agree with us, when we respond in obedience or we respond with courage or we get back up again or we practice, right? <laughs> or we actually keep, we stay with something, something in our brain changes. The neurons that were used to be associated with avoid or pull back or just shut down, they begin to grow into this new association of if, I, okay, here's an opportunity. And if I respond, if I move forward, if I keep going, then God has this ability to create a new association in us that says, this is important enough for me to say, what's the most courageous thing I could do right now? And I will do that in obedience to my Savior. And if we, we look at the text, we look at the scripture and the story with Joshua and the Israelites, it's really interesting. As you were talking, the whole generation that responded in fear, in Numbers 14, the whole generation that responded in fear to what God had set for them and wanted for them, they no longer were alive. A whole generation went by. And now we have a completely new generation with Joshua and Caleb, the only two who were going to respond to the circumstance, to respond to the promise, to step in. And they were the leaders. They were the leaders of, the, of, of that group of people, which really says a whole lot about developing that response muscle. Um, so with, with resilience and, and the fact that, um, is it something that we just innately have? Like, it, it, it's really, it's really, I'm really curious about this, that it doesn't seem like, um, I, I think a lot of our thought is that I cannot be resilient. If I don't have it, I'll never have it. Is it something that can be developed? Yes and yes. It, <laughs> <laughs> how many of you have ever been through something difficult in your life? No. That means you're resilient. You're still here, Right? You were resilient enough. You've gotten through it. You may not 
feel like you've gotten through it, but you are here, right? You're functioning. And we have, because we bear the image of God, we bear a resilient, courageous character in us. It is there. It was built into you when he formed you. It's there. We don't believe it's there. We don't believe enough sometimes that we bear the image of God, that he can raise up that in us and move us in those directions of courage. It's there. Now, can it be built? Yes, and it must be, right? Um, have you ever had kids who you're trying to teach them like a character trait, right? Like respect. If you do nothing to like teach that, right, and you never give them an opportunity to actually practice respect, are they going to grow up to be respectful adults? No. And we, as the children of God, if we do not act and practice resiliency and courage, we also will not grow up to be the men and women of God who live it. When you look at the Israelites in that story, um, one of the things that I, I absolutely love in the, in the story of Joshua is God was, was, obviously when God says something to you three times, you probably better listen, right? That's pretty important. So he is telling him, you got to be strong and courageous. And part of what he's telling him is, Joshua, there's a culture. I mean, these Israelites, they easily fall into other cultures. They're like, I love God. Oh, there's an idol. Let's try that. You know, like they just, whoo, they just, you know, they're kind of fickle people. And in one of the parts when he says, be strong and very courageous, he said, don't give up meditating on my word. Don't stray from it, right? Because we live in a culture that wants ease, right? That says, don't try hard. Don't be different. Give in to all the culture stuff around you. That is not faith people, people of faith living with resiliency. But then when the Israelites say it back to Joshua, I love this. You see, well, first, let me go back to, to God saying it to Joshua. When God says it to Joshua, he's saying, I need you to be strong and courageous because if you aren't, my people will not get to where I need them to go. But then you hear the Israelites say it back to Joshua. Joshua, we desperately need you to be strong and courageous because without that, we may not get where we need to go. And I think we have to understand we live in community. We've been talking about that. Yeah. Not isolating, right? Yeah. And really living in community. Your community needs you to live strong and courageous. They need you to live with resiliency because otherwise they may never know the God who can get them where they need to go. You bear the image of God, of courage, of resiliency. You think about this. I, I was dwelling on this. Even Jesus. Jesus gave up his life for us so that we might have a relationship with him, but he got up again. He rose again, right? And he got up again knowing that we would hurt him still, right? Knowing we would still sin, knowing we would still fall short, but he got back up again and he said, I will do this because I need you to know how to get to where I need you to go. And that's what's in us, right? This, this sense of I can get back up again after I face hard things because of resurrection life that's alive in me, right? That is the hope. So I kind of want to, with courage, and I, I, I heard you say this. Um, I watched one of your, your, your videos where you, where you really talked about this and that you said, you know, there are people in your life that need you to be courageous. But courage isn't in a vacuum. It isn't where it just is me. Courage is also in community. Um, 
And so can you kind of help us kind of pull those two pieces together? Because there's this internal struggle on the inside of us that we battle with and that we have to step into. But there's also, we can't do it ourselves, And we need other people around us to help us and allow us to be courageous. So can you kind of split the difference here? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's not okay for us to necessarily say, well, it's your job to make me courageous, right? That's not at all what God has said. He mm. has said very directly to you, be strong and courageous. But he also said, don't give up meeting together right? And so over these weeks, we've talked about that importance of checking in with each other. And I'm going to kind of go, I'm going to dive into Brene Brown's book a little bit and and talk about these three areas because it's going to kind of tie in what we've talked about and what you're talking about here about us needing each other to do this. So what three, she says there's three things um, that are, that really are the roles of, of building resiliency. And one is the reckoning. So this is walking into your story. This is, she even says, recognize your emotion. Have, remember us talking about this? You gotta give it a word. What is it you are feeling? Because your brain needs you to identify that. And once you do, then you can connect with somebody else and say, here's where I'm at. This is what's going on. But we, in, in our culture, avoid that. So you have to do this, get into your story, get curious about why am I feeling this way? And what thoughts is it raising up in me? So can I, can yeah. I just interrupt you here? Story. Um, it's really interesting. The, the fact is that you and I are created in story. Like we are wired neurologically um, about story. We are, we are story makers. So I was, as I was reading her book, I was imagining um, just you know, when we're kids and we look up at the sky and the clouds, you are automatically your mind is wired to create story with something that is very ambiguous that may not even have a composition and so you say that looks like this and this looks like that and that looks like this we are wired that way so when you say step into story you are literally talking about stepping into the way God has created us because we are story makers we create narratives in our head but also when people tell stories or they tell their story it wires us to where we begin to like focus even deeper with just r- rather than random information. So yeah, that's exactly right, right? Because we can start to empathize. We, God has given us emotions to connect us. C- emotions are our connector, right? Like it, so, if we never had emotion, we would not do well connecting with each other. We just sharing facts does not connect us, right? But actually feeling with someone, um, imagining what they're feeling, that makes your lives intersect, right? So God is so gracious to give us this ability to connect. So in in what Brene Brown talks about with this reckoning, it's, okay, I've got an emotion going on. Something's happening here. I'm curious about it. Where's it coming from? What what thoughts is it causing? Then she says, you enter the rumble, and you got to be honest about the stories we write. We do write stories. Yes, we do. Some of them are good. Most of them are wrong. <laughs> stories in my <laughs> right? head. No. So we write stories about assumptions that we make about the world around us, about people. You even write stories about yourself that aren't true, right? Because you haven't really checked in with your creator to make sure, is that accurate, God? Or am I just responding negatively to my situation? And so we have to then get into this story and say, okay, God, here's the story I'm writing. Um, what do I do with this? And I think I mentioned before, in our office, we do this with each This is where lives begin intersect right so I have an emotion and I begin to say where's this coming from okay I'm definitely writing a story in my head 
I need to, I need to check in with someone because guess what? When we isolate, when we just do this by ourselves, have you ever been stuck in your own head? Oh it's my goodness. not a pretty place, yeah. let me tell you. I'm a counselor, and I've tried to like sit in my head with me on one side and me as the counselor on the other side. It doesn't work. Like I still need other people, right? You mean that whole angel devil yeah, on the shoulder just, doesn't no, work thing? Mm -mm, no, no. Okay. I still need other people. And so when I am able to check in with my husband or one of my staff members and say, okay, I just need to tell you, here's what I'm feeling, and here's the story I'm writing in my head. They are able to challenge me and say, hey, Gary, why, why, why did you go there? I mean, does that even make sense, what you were just saying? Like, you really jumped to a drastic conclusion there, right? And so they're able to give me feedback so that I don't live out this story, because whatever stories you write, you start to live on, right? We start to act on those things. And so they help change the, the whole course of my story, which leads to this revolution that Brene Brown talks, right? Where you write a new ending to your story. Um, I think I told you about the time I got an email, and I, it, just because somebody wasn't going to sponsor one of our events, I jumped to the conclusion I should shut my office down. Does that make any sense? It doesn't in my brain. Really it makes drastic. perfect sense, right? Because really my brain was, I was defeated. I felt discouraged. And so my head went to, nobody's ever going to give our office. Nobody's going to donate to us. So we're never going to be able to do this. I just shut it down now. Do you see where I went? Whoo, that was, did that story make any sense? No, but that's what we do. And that's a story I checked in with my staff. And I say, hey, I got to tell you, here's where I'm going today. I have clients that I need to serve, but my head is saying we should shut down. And she said, she looked at me, she goes, that makes no sense, Carrie. And I was like, I know, I realize that. Let's back up, right? <laughs> and she helped me unpack this, but I did it in community, right? And where that, that was, it didn't even jive together, but we do this all the time. We write a story, something happens, we feel an emotion, we react. Instead of identifying what it is that we're feeling, is it accurate or not? And then how do I respond with courage? So that day, the most courageous thing for me to do was to connect with my staff person, to say, I need to check in with you because my head is going a very negative direction. And it changed around, that my whole story changed after talking with her. And the rest of the day, I was able to serve clients and her office is still open today. In fact, we celebrated five years this month. <laughs> so you know, praise God for that. So, um, yeah, we didn't shut down and we won't. So, you know, but those are, I'm just being really honest with you all, that, that we go to these really negative places. The most courageous thing you can do sometimes is to connect with someone and say, can I just tell you where I'm going? And yet we live in a very isolating culture. And we've talked about this, right? Yeah. Where I can't let anybody know what I'm thinking, right, or what I'm feeling, and that's so unhealthy. So you, you just kind of alluded to it. Um, one of the most courageous things that we could do is let somebody in, and there's a word for that. And that word's vulnerability, um, which in our culture, we're, so if you look at our history as a country, um, we have been, so DIY is not a, not a, it's not a new term. We've, we've pulled ourselves up by the bootstraps. We're, we've been an independent people. In fact, we, we, we fired the first shot or whoever fired the first shot so that we could be independent people. And our country has been forged on that. So we're in 2019. And this has been totally ingrained in our culture. But the fact is that we believe there is this, this false idea that vulnerability is weakness. Particularly for, the, for, for men, but vulnerability is weakness. However, the most courageous thing that any one of us can do is become vulnerable 
not not just with willy-nilly hey I'm gonna go stand on the top of a building and tell you my deepest thoughts no but there are people in our life that we need to crack open our chest cavity and pull out our heart and say here it is so can you speak to what vulnerability actually is and what it does for us and the opposite of vulnerability absolutely well let me let me tell you this God actually modeled this God sent Jesus as a baby is that not the most vulnerable way to come to earth right he didn't send him as a king all grown up he sent him as a baby to be vulnerable to connect with us right because he said I I don't want to scare you away right I want you to come to me so God modeled this beautifully right to us and then he says now would you follow that likeness and become vulnerable to each other and so um, vulnerability is risking a connection with someone, right? It's risking that what I have to share matters, not just to me, but to my world, right? Now, have you ever, uh, Brene Brown even talks about this when she does some of her speaking, but she said, you know, when you have somebody who gets up in front of you and they, like, share their life story, you know, and, and they're speaking and you're like, wow. I mean, are do you ever sitting there going, I cannot believe them, right? You're usually sitting there going, man, wow, the courage to share all this, right? And yet, if it's your turn, if that person sits down and it's like, okay, now you share yours, and we're like, mm-mm, mm-mm, no way, right? Yet we think other people, when they do it, we're like, wow, you guys have courage. But yet, if we are asked to do the same, we think, oh, mm-mm, there's no way, there's no way. That's too embarrassing. I can't be vulnerable. And yeah. we, we do the exact opposite of the very thing we admire in someone else, right? And I think you're absolutely right that we don't just walk around telling everybody our stuff, right? No, I mean, no. that's, that's not quite healthy. Um, but it's finding people who you trust in your life. You need to have a person, someone, right? Or some ones in, in a group or yeah. something like that. And for some of you who have been very like, I'm afraid to do this, maybe the very most courageous thing that God is asking you to do right now is to join one of the groups that the church has. Because maybe the Lord is saying the, the most courageous step for you right now is to connect with people. And that might be the very next thing that he's asking you to do. Because Dr. Brown really lays it out. And she, she basically, the research shows that vulnerability is really the root for you and I to experience love. Um, it is the root of creativity. Um, it opens the doors to all of those things that we were created to be and do. It, it, is, the, it, it is the heart of intellect. Um, because the opposite of vulnerability is avoidance, being shut down. We offload on other people um, when we don't, when we hold everything in. I don't know how many of you are, and I, I think you're going to speak to this, but how many of you are, the boss does this, and then you internalize, then you go home, and then you explode and then eventually it's the dog gets it or the cat gets it or the bird or the hamster, whatever you have. Maybe the goldfish goes down the toilet. I don't know. But we have this tendency to push and push and push down and then offload on other people and not identify. 
this is this is the whole rumble aspect right the whole identifying what i'm feeling and being vulnerable enough to share that and get out of your head and say i got a word vomit on you for a second because i'm really not sure what's going on so i'm sorry have you all read psalms i mean ever the book of psalms yeah the book of psalms i mean this is a journal basically right i mean can you imagine if your journal was like put right smack in the middle of the Bible and been like, we're just going to let the whole world read it, right? That's a little terrifying. But the book of Psalms is this (laughs) insight into mostly David, not all are written by David, mostly David's journal. And I got to tell you, I can't wait to meet David in heaven. And I'm quite sure that, because I've got some questions. I'm going to be like, okay, tell me what was going on this day, because this seems really interesting, right? Because we don't know exactly sometimes what he's writing about. But I think sometimes David's in heaven going, oh, my word, that was a bad day, okay? Like, you're reading it. It was just a bad day, right? And so, David, the the book of Psalms, the purpose of it is to teach us, to show us how to be vulnerable before God, to be raw, to be real with him, that God actually desires that kind of relationship with us. And, um, and David just shows that beautifully. David had to live with resiliency. David messed up. He messed up big time. Well, he also was terrified, and then he messed up. He sinned, right? He, he murdered and committed adultery. And he had to be reconciled to God through that. He had to get back up again right? He had to wrestle with this, and he had to be raw, and he talks about how my bones cry out at night. There's anguish in my heart. He was that honest about it, but often at the end of those psalms, you'll see him say, yet I will praise you. Yet I will trust you, right? Because he got all that out um, before his maker, and then he was able to say, now I'll trust you. Remember that gratefulness piece we talked about? He switched to gratefulness to the, at the end of getting all of his raw emotion out. So he sets us a beautiful example of what you're talking about, right? Yeah. That we can move through things when we are honest about them, when we, we realize that. We really, as you're saying the word raw, that's, that's a, I feel like that's a better term because when we are raw, we are revealing the war that is raging on the inside of us. And without being raw and revealing that war, there is no victory that you can personally have. I mean, war and raw are the antithesis of each other. And so we are designed in such a way that we are to express those things. And so um, you had mentioned the rumble and identifying what's going on in us. And then the reckoning is just really bringing that to reality folks we all carry narratives in our head you 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 are not the only person that has assumed what someone else is thinking and doing and they've done to you or what have you and so we've got to get out of our head and begin to speak that out and so that there can be something that happens inside of us revolutionary and transformation um so i looked this up um because it was, I, I've forgotten this quote, and, and Martin Luther King Jr. says, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands in times of challenge and controversy. Amen. That's yeah, some good stuff. It is. Yeah. And 
folks, many of you are right in the times of challenge and controversy in your own life, whatever that may actually be. And so you're like Joshua and the Israelites who are standing on the edge of the river and that you, they're waiting to go over and to have that victory. And so we are actually revealed in the hardest times of our life. What is our natural response in the hardest times of our life? To shut down to a shut lot down. of times, right? So let me, maybe let me give an example sure. of this, kind of how this plays out, because you're absolutely right. When we go through those hard times, that's when your fight or flight kicks in, right? Am I going to fight this? Am I going to flee this? Am I going to shut down? Like, what am I going to do with this, right? We, we unfortunately are not known to be a people who persevere, right, who choose the harder thing. We tend to go to the easier thing, right, we when we go through those things. So let me, let me just be honest with you. One of the hardest areas in my life to live with um, courage is as a mom. I love my boys. I, they're my favorites. You know, they're, they're awesome. But it's also very hard to hold my ground sometimes because they're just cute. I mean, one's taller than me, but he's still cute, you know? And I, it, 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 we live in a culture where my husband and I, we've had to draw some, some boundary lines with the um, social media and the technology and the things that they can watch. Um, we've had to, and that has not been handled well by them. They were not thrilled about that at all. Um, and we sometimes have to say, what, what is the character that we want to develop in them, right? And so when, when, I, um, when something happens with them, when, when they do something that is completely not okay, right, or it is they are upset about what we are telling them, my natural inclination is I just want them to smile because their smiles are so cute and they got great dimples, you know? So I just <laughs> want to really be like the great mom who's like, oh, it's okay. Just do whatever, you know, and then I'll get a hug, and I'm amazing for two minutes, right? And so I want to do that, um, but it, and to be honest with you, it's my fear, and it is exhausting sometimes to yeah. hold my ground with them, right? To say, I'm sorry, that is not happening, right? And we are going to hold, I'm going to hold my ground on this, or what you did to has a consequence, and I'm going to hold you to that. It breaks my heart to do that. I hate hate it. And it is way easier for my husband and I to give in. We have sat and said, okay, was that, did we go too harsh? Well, okay, you know, maybe we could weasel out. We're like, what are we doing? Right? What, why are we doing this? And so this whole, um, <laughs> oh, um, this whole, uh, yeah, this whole rumble, right? So that was cool. It was a moment. Freaking out for a second. Yeah, you were okay. Wow. Wow. That's right. Yes, right? So we enter this, like, <laughs> I recognize my emotion is I want to get out of this because it doesn't feel good. I don't want to do this. I don't want to hold my ground. And so I have this reckoning moment of my emotion coming there, and my thought is what's the easiest way out of this, right? And then I have to rumble with what is the story I'm writing here? I am writing a story that I'm a good mom if they're happy with me. I'm only uh. a good mom if my kids like me every moment of every day. Is that true? That is no. totally false. You know, there are moments I haven't liked God as his daughter because I didn't like that he didn't do something I wanted or he, I had to have a consequence to something, mm. but I love him for it, right? And so I, I rumble with this, and then this revolution, this deciding to end the story different. Yeah. This is where God is teaching me 
as a parent to not say always, this is so hard. This is just so hard. Because it is stinking hard to be a parent, right? To have the courage to have your kids not like you for a little bit because you see the men that you want them to become, right? And I know who God wants them to be, but if I don't do anything about that, they're not just going to magically become that right? God has given them to my husband and I to lead them. And so I, God has told me, you got to stop saying this is hard because you say that, that's, that's all you hear in your head is this is hard, right? And makes me want to do the easier thing and quit. So God has been really teaching me to say, okay, what is the most courageous thing I could do right now for this little man? And the most courageous thing I could do for him is to hold my ground, right? is to set boundaries that are healthy for him, is to um, not lessen a consequence just to make him happy because through that, the story is changing, his story and mine. Our kids are crying out just like the Israelites. They are saying, please, mom and dads, be strong and courageous, please. I'm never going to ask you in those words. They will never say that to you, right? But they are begging for parents to be strong and courageous because they desperately need it. And God is also telling parents, be strong and courageous. Do not stop parenting, no matter how hard it is, right? Do it well because our children will not go get to the places that God is leading them without it. So I just want to share that example in my life. This is, it's extremely hard, especially in the culture we live in. But it is also, it requires courage. And it's not just parenting. Marriages require courage, right? It takes courage for you to get out of your own head and to stop assuming things about your spouse and to actually check your story in with them and say, hey, here's where I'm at emotionally and here's the story I'm writing. Am I on target or I am, am I way off base? I can't tell you how many times we say that phrase in our office. That will save you a multitude of hurt in your marriage. If you can remember that phrase, this is the story I'm writing. Am I on target or am I off base? Don't make assumptions. It takes courage to do that. It takes courage in your workplace. When gossip comes up, when you start hearing people talking about things, for you to leave that space, right? For you to leave that room. That is the most courageous thing you can do right? When you are grieving, the most courageous thing you can do is to lean into your grief, to feel it, to honor the one you lost by acknowledging that, right? And to talk with someone about it. I could go on and on. There's so many examples (laughs) in our lives of the courageous things that we must do. And I talk to teens about it. Sometimes it's with their friends. The most courageous thing they can do is hold their ground because their friends deep inside are saying, please be strong and courageous. I need you to be strong and courageous so that I might be too. This is what our God, our creator, he has made you to be this. If you're wondering if you have, I was thinking about this too. Have you ever had a cut that heals? Your body's resilient. It's crazy resilient. Have you ever had a cold (laughs) and you finally get over it? Your body's resilient. You have got it in you. So there's no excuse that you are not strong and courageous, right? Ty knows this. Yeah, (laughs) but your body is amazing, right? Ty knows this very, very well. So, like, as we're kind of pulling this all together, um, we, we have an insert for you um, that, that we're going to reference. But I guess in my own life, um, I was not the most courageous person. I was definitely not the most vulnerable person. Um, emotion wasn't talked about in my family. Um, 
and uh, and which really didn't develop a resilience in my life. So this, these three things, resilience, courage, and vulnerability, have had to have been developed in me in the last 20 years. Um, and part of that, and I, I guess I can boil it down to um, when I feel when I feel like I want to step back or step away from the circumstance, not make the phone call, not have the conversation, um, not do the hard thing. Rather than stepping back, I've had to make a very conscious decision to step forward. And so it's one step at a time. Resiliency and courage um, and vulnerability is literally one step at a time. Because over time, that muscle that we talked about really does get developed in you. So if you say, I'm going to agree to this thing, then do it. Stay committed. Step into it. Um, that's kind of been the lesson that I've, I feel like I've been learning in the last 20 years. Um, more so since my mom and dad's divorce. Uh, I was 27 at the time. And my dad was stoic and didn't talk. Um, once he went through some therapy, can't shut the guy up. I mean, you can't. I literally have half-hour conversations where all I say is, hey, Dad, and he's talking for 30 minutes. So one step in rather than step back, step into it. So can you kind of share as we kind of wrap up? Yeah. Can I show mine? Now? Oh, absolutely. Okay. This is a great right. illustration. I got to show you this because I, I want to make sure you get a visual. Our God does such a good job of showing us visuals. So uh, these are not created by him necessarily, but we're going to use this as an example, okay? So this is a stress ball, and we use stress <laughs> balls in my office, and you probably had them. They're really fun, fascinating. But this is, I'm going to show you this, and I hope you all can see this. Um, but I want you to see this visual of what happens when we don't get back up again. I All right. Can, I can throw it down you up there, do but it? they okay. can see it. So this is this I, is someone who faces something difficult, and they either shut down, or they flee the situation, and they don't do anything. So watch what happens to a stress ball when you throw it down. Basically nothing, right? It just flattens. Do you see this? It takes on the contour of whatever it hits. So when That's you go so through something difficult, it is fun. Um, when you go through something difficult in life, that's the action of going down, right? Something hard times. And when you hit, if you don't move through that, through vulnerability, through connecting with others, through acknowledging it, through acting on courage, what's the next step, God, do you want me to take? That you take on the contour of whatever that is, and that becomes who you are, right? Instead, God has designed us to live with resiliency, so much more like this, right? That when we go down we get back up again, right? You go down and we get back up. <laughs> that is who we were made to be. And can you imagine the difference of us being a people who claim to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? If we live like this, what hope do we extend to our world? But if we live like this, doesn't mean it's always easy, but it means you get back up again. And that is who God created you to be. And can I share this verse sure. real quick? 
disappoint us and you definitely have not disappointed us you have uh, you've brought in each conversation you've brought insight practicality you've brought scripture um, and how scripture really comes to life and in, in our world and how we can live out our faith and so I'd, I'd like for you to stay stay put real quick as we kind of wrap up today we just wanted to bless you and say thank you very, very much um, for taking time. Oh my goodness, thanks. And uh, there's, <laughs> there's some tea in here. Since you don't like caffeine, I, yeah. <laughs> coffee. What's wrong with you? I don't no, I'm just like kidding. Coffee. Uh, no. There's some, there's some things in there for your boys. Oh, um, oh my they're, goodness. They're awesome They'll kids. They'll be thrilled. <laughs> so we just thank wanted to say you. thank you. And, thank you and so much. So one of our highest honors here at Wapak Nas. Um, is not a round of applause. It's the one clap. The one clap. The one clap. Okay. <laughs> I love I it. I love it. So um, if, if you've never been around at Wapak Naz, it's literally a one clap. 
Um, that is that is the highest honor that we can give someone. Wow. And so we want honored. to give you <laughs> the highest honor um, to you for everything that you've done and just really for your time and even breaking away from your own body of Christ and your kids and your husband. So thank you. And so you. if we can... We don't no practice here. It's 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 on it's on three. So if you can, on three. Ready? One, two, three. Yes. That is awesome. Way to go! I I'm like proud. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I'm gonna be vulnerable right now. Thank you. That, that was so good. That's we awesome. we truly appreciate you. you. And so, uh, folks, I'd like to pray for us. And I just want to say first and foremost. Thank you for being a part of this. And we are so glad to be with you. Your presence is important. And I hope this series, if you have just come in on the back end of this series, you can listen to this series on Spotify. You can listen to this series on uh, online, on our website, and on iTunes. Um, is that completed? Not yet. You, very soon uh, on iTunes. Get back into this. Listen to it. Listen through this whole series because there is some great insight and some action steps that can move you forward in your relationship with others and with God. And so, Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for moments like this that we carve out specifically to get connected with one another and with our God and our Creator. Lord, we ask that You give us that strength and that empowerment to take that step into whatever it is, that anxiety, that hard conversation, just that hard thing. And may we ask what is the most courageous thing that we can do and do it. Lord, will you continue to fill us with your spirit? And may we experience your love and give it. May we not just be recipients of it, but may we be deliverers of it to other people. Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you. It's in your name that we pray today. Amen. Folks, may you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, 